Welcome to the Media Will Eat Itself podcast, unhindered by sponsored messages and adverts. We're delving into the minds of real people in real situations, talking about topics that affect our daily professional lives. There are no celebrity interviews here, but what we lack in star power, we make up for with the thrills and spills of what it's like to work in modern media. On today's show, I talk to Sharon Walpole of CareerMap, a service that helps young people get their career kick-started. It's not just about finding a job, it's about finding guidance and mentorship and feeling confident and positive about your future direction. Let's find out more from Sharon herself. I'm Sean Weston and here's today's show. Sharon, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for asking me to join you. So can you give the listeners a brief overview of CareerMap, please, and how it works? So CareerMap www.careermap.co.uk is an online resource for young people, their parents, teachers and careers advisors. It has two sides of it really. One is a jobs board that is live actual vacancies that are for apprenticeships or post-16, post-18 opportunities, um, information about uh, its courses for colleges, the things that they can apply for right there and then. We have Career Map TV on the site, which has a whole bank of videos that's uh, informative about different careers, different sectors, explaining what different things are. We also do live broadcasts where we invite different organizations to come in and talk into schools that we beam out to other schools and is interactive with Twitter so people can ask questions. We have Career Meg, which is, um, well, there's Career Meg and Career Meg for parents, the two publications. Career Meg comes out three times a year termly, and it is a publication for young people that really is designed to demystify different sorts of jobs and industry sectors, has all sorts of information, like at the moment we have a big one coming out that's going to be looking at getting ready for exams, they'll be in the middle of exams, how to relax, looking forward to things like A-level results day, um, if you're not going to university, what are the options? So, so that's actually quite quite comprehensive what you're saying here. It's not simply a job listings platform, is it? It's, it you're getting advice and you're offering inspiration too. Absolutely. And it's kind of a big circle. Uh, we do the same magazine for parents as well to help them not only understand the same stuff, but we look at things like explaining to them terms they might hear but might not know about like social mobility, like gender stereotyping, like other roles and qualifications they may not understand, like T-levels are new, and what it might mean for the child. But the idea is it goes full circle. So like you said, it is quite comprehensive. We've got the full sort of information piece. But then quite often, for instance, if we have a piece written by an employer, uh, it might be linked directly then to the jobs board. So they get quite an informed approach about, A, what maybe an apprenticeship is, but then also what that organization does and what the job may be like. So it's kind of a nice synapses, a, a good network of, of offering the complete package, I suppose, if you're a young person and you want to get your career started. Exactly right. So how would you describe your role in particular? Um, so I kind of do everything. <laughs> uh, I edit and put together magazine. I actually come from the world of publishing and had been a journalist and actually worked in FE as a media lecturer. Um, I also have a digital background, and that comes from my skill set changing from uh, publishing being quite a print physical world to a digital world. 
Uh, and I also look after the website in terms of the user journey, how things are posted, and all that magical stuff that goes on in the background, <laughs> like SEO and social media and stuff like that. Do you mean that magic stuff that's incredibly hard work? We wish it was magic, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I learn a lot along the way too, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you work with some familiar names in, in helping young people get on the career path. I noticed on the website, people such as IBM, Virgin Media, BMW, are these typical companies? for helping young people on, on the first or second rung of their career ladder? Definitely. These are organizations, the big blue chips um, are affected what's, by what's called the apprenticeship levy. All very large organizations have to pay what's essentially a tax um, to employ and use to train apprenticeships. So they have a big agenda to do this. They have a real commercial drive to do it. But also, with all the changes in education, and I could talk for hours about that, um, the impact has really met, they've kind of come back full circle to really valuing apprentices as nurturing young talent, bringing them in and letting them grow with the company. And that does things like cutting down from a commercial point of view, uh, keeps retention rates, you know, very high. And uh, it also creates a real passion for the company and they can uh, train them in the way that they want them to be and give them skills that are often transferable. So they're not just stuck to that company, but they will learn an awful lot more hands on. And the employers appreciate being at the, at the leading edge of that. But we also work with a lot of organizations that aren't direct employers um, who help inform wider. For instance, we work with Young Enterprise, who people may know of from their things that kids do at school where they might set up a little business and it's teaching them how to do the entrepreneurial skills. Mm -hmm. But they wrote a piece very much to parents talking about that these skills are going to be so important for the future because something like 60% of the jobs in the future are going to be with small businesses and young people will be self-employed. So it's not just a a game you know they're actually learning real skills that are going to be valuable for them for the future yeah yeah so so it's not really a case of, of getting the big companies involved and engaged they're very forthcoming in, in what they can do to promote that that early loyalty i suppose yeah and also to kind of we always say myth busting and dispelling dispelling misconceptions and you know quite common people think engineers all work under the bonnet of a car or it's yeah. you know quite a greasy job and it's not i mean you know if you think about just naming those electrical engineer uh, chemical mechanical structural those are all hugely different sectors and because of technology they're you know they're very very um high-end sort of jobs that have very specific skills and technologies that they work with well career map is is such an interesting platform and in, in doing my re research before this interview because there are various jumping on points for finding out information you know such as career map TV, but it acts as an aggregator for finding career inspiration. Did you contemplate having your, your very own video channel? We are. We are actually uh, thinking about that very much, and, and we do the, do that in a small scale um, intermittently. For instance, A-Level Results Day is obviously a hot topic in the media. Uh, they, on the day, you get anything from uh, kids jumping up and down and opening envelopes to some of the media outlets really challenging and saying, well, what does this mean? If you think about things like in terms of Brexit, on that day, we will hopefully do some live broadcasts talking to employers with young people together, exploring things like what does it mean for Gen Z? What does it mean for Brexit? You know, and the employer landscape for the employers now, they've got to start building young talent because if so many young people from abroad or aren't able to fill these vacancies, there's, you know, genuine 
opportunities for young people, but genuine concerns for employers. And it's also about branding. Uh, everybody knows the big names that you've mentioned, your IBMs and Amazons and Vodafone in the world. But there's lots of organizations in those sectors who are not quite as big, but do the same thing and offer sometimes even better opportunities, but they aren't recognized quite so readily as a brand. So a lot of the job is to help young people and their parents understand that Yes, everybody probably has heard of Jaguar Land Rover and their amazing apprenticeship scheme, but people may not know that something like 80% of the cars are made by other businesses in the area that are actually the engineering companies that put the car together. Yeah, and that's what you want to get across a little bit more with your own video platform. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk more widely about well, informing and all, all, all kind of levels. Yeah, and it, but it's incredible. Video is incredibly labor-intensive, and people underestimate it, I think. But it's, it, it's good to have your partners running their own channels that you can aggregate. Yes. Um, but tell me about the team you have at your disposal um, and how you might start on, on that journey of producing your own video content. Well, it's, it's the world, the way it is today, as I'm sure you know yourself, is very much about collaboration. Uh, when I was young, You'd have big media organizations who did absolutely everything, had a newsroom, had a photographer, had the journalists, had the, you know, studios and so on. Those were um, the days. Those were the days. <laughs> but, you know, so many people, you know, videographers are often self-employed. Uh, you know, you rent studio space. Um, I don't think we're going to ever go down the path of trying to be some sort of monster media conglomerate. Um, also, our needs aren't, that's not our primary uh, function as it were and so as and when we need it there's quite often you know a consortium of people that will get together for instance if we did one of our live broadcasts from schools uh, quite often a local university will lend us a um, a, a space mm. to use because they're interested in young people too for the same sort of recruitment reasons um, and they also have that kind of corporate social responsibility part where they want to reach out and to be doing good. Yeah. Then you have the video production company that has that kind of broadcast capability come in and do the actual engineering, the functioning, the setting up, the miking up, and so on. Um, then you have the employer who will attend that will have not only people from their spokes team, but they often will bring people who work on the jobs, um, other apprentices who are there. Then we work with, organ well, we have quite a reach. We bring the role in that we've got quite, big network with schools and we have school partners who will then spread the news to schools to say that they can either come in person or turn up to the event virtually. Um, so that means that we can have a wider reach, but it's not just us doing everything, you know, it's about, um, everyone's pitching in. Yeah, absolutely. People have got their specialist skills mm. instead of trying to do everything yourself, which is a massive help. Um, so, so where does career mag fit into the content strategy for you? Is it, is it something you're more comfortable with doing as you, because you have a background in publishing? Well, yeah, it is absolutely. And it's been so interesting. I mean, when I was a young girl, when I did, uh, my dad was a typesetter. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yes. So when I learned about digital type and cut, cut and pasting, it was quite literally taking a roll of film to a dark room and sitting at a table with <laughs> wax paper and cutting and pasting. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so I've seen it change from a very almost blue collar sector where the, the kind of content side had nothing to do with the production side to a total one man does everything. Um, and with the content, because of my background in academics, because of my background in journalism, but also because I kind of grew up in that production world, um, <clears throat> I definitely run the magazine as it were, but it's now, like you said, the role that it plays for me 
is much more interesting. And again, it's about collaboration. It's about getting um, organizations to write, but not to sell themselves, but to, again, coming back to education, employers are very much about um, talking about gender stereotyping from a young age. I did a massive research project into kids from the age of five already drawing engineers as boys, for yes. instance. Yes. Um, so who's better placed to tell a story about that than they are? Um, but what it does mean is that they write some fantastic content that's very informed. We put that out as a print publication because older people, and let's be honest, people our age, teachers, careers advisors, um, particularly teachers, they like to print it out, um, either articles, yeah, yeah. posters for the yeah. classroom, they like the flipbook PDF. Um, but our re young audience looks at the content on mobile. So we reproduce the content to put them out as blog posts, and then we use social media to um, then drive it out to the target audiences through the different sort of social platforms, but also our various partners and also, so you have this big network of kind of trying to spread the word as wide as you can, but then that also has the added benefit of driving traffic to the site and yeah. everybody who looks at a site wants to know what your numbers are. Absolutely, yes, yes. And I did notice that actually, unless I've got this completely wrong, but I noticed your blog content, your blog link is, is hidden in the footer. Is that a deliberate strategy? <laughs> Career Meg on the uh, website is the blog. Yeah. Um, so this site is going through a tremendous amount of change. In fact, if you visit it every couple of weeks from now on, you'll see a lot of change. Like a lot of websites, it's been around for eight years maybe. And what happens is in the early development stages, people just stick things on and stick things on and they become a little bit Frankensteinish and things fall over and you're trying to link them all up. What's happened since we've uh, hooked up with our parent company, that's an internet marketing company, is that they've spent the last six months doing a lot of work on the back end of the site to make it uh, function really great. Yeah. And now we're starting to do stuff on the front end which means even before you and I spoke, if you had looked at CareerMag, you would have just seen a page that said subscribe here. Right. So <laughs> now, have, now that we have content hidden from the background completely and out there is a huge step forward. Um, still looks a little primitive. So the next step is we've got an advertising agency who specializes in this sort of thing to help us make it look uh, better so it's a better user journey for the exact things that you just said like you know where do you find it does it click does it make sense to people visiting the site it's a transitional period yes it's exciting though i mean it's really really um great to be at the front end and have your ideas and sit down and have discussions and then a week later it's there yeah i've been through four or five rebrands myself and, and and new websites and and then changing websites over the years um you know version three version four and i know how much work goes into it but also how rewarding it can be at the end when everything just kind of works yeah it does and it yeah. it makes a big difference again i mean i'm all about skills obviously that's our sector but i you know and especially young people with um their innate sort of native skills that they've got, uh, you know. Um, I don't try to pretend <laughs> that I could do what they can do, and I'm always absolutely amazed when you stick them in front of something and they start talking Swahili at me and say, then, ta-da, look, it works. And you're like, wow, <laughs> you know. And I'm pretty I'm pretty switched on about these things, to be honest, I'm, I, and I'm still I, – I, I totally understand what you mean. And you'll hear from a digital native, we call them, these, these young people, yes. and they just say something, God, I'm so far behind. I, th you know, and yet I'm more switched on than, than a lot of people my age. Yeah, I mean, I think the role that 
people, oh, I definitely feel like I'm switched on more than a lot of people our age, but I think our role to play in all this is that uh, is organizing young people's brains and to give them some context and to give it structure and um, they can have quite specific skill sets. Um, and, and I do worry a little bit about the young generation that there's so much teaching to pass an exam and there's so much sort of helicopter parenting going on that young people aren't forced to make decisions. They're not forced to think laterally. They're not forced to think creatively. Um, if you go a second for a story, I had a really interesting conversation with Eben Upton, who is the inventor of the Raspberry Pi. Um, he was telling me that uh, he, I think he still is head of the um, IT department at Cambridge University. But um, when he set out, they used to have something like 100 applicants per space in their department. And over the years, the numbers just not only dropped, but the quality of candidates uh, was really not great. And they couldn't figure out what on earth was happening. Because on one hand, you have technology really booming, video games, digital games, you know, all this sort of thing happening with young people. And yet, the young people coming through used to be trailblazers. And in fact, they had trouble controlling them, because they're a little bit out. And now they have kids who said, I can use uh, Microsoft Office. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> um, you know, like you were saying, digital natives, why aren't they coming in and just saying, I know how to do this? And what they discovered when they did a big, massive research project is it comes through um, when we were young and video games first came out and you had your Pong and your, you know, Asteroids and your Atari. And I know my younger brother, who's a couple years younger than me, who's head of an IT department, is definitely of that generation where they would get so far with the games and then they would literally physically break the game yeah. to get inside and work out how it worked inside so they could make their own games and do their own stuff and they taught themselves code because they want they, they liked what it was doing but they could do better and so on well now with the birth of things like iphones and uh you know <clears throat> mobile devices that are extremely extremely expensive um you wouldn't break your xbox to see how it works you know and so he was saying that what really needs to happen hence the birth of the raspberry pi uh, is to go back to basics and get it into schools to teach them that, you know, you plug your headset in here, you plug your laptop into here, you code with this and, and kind of, un, you know, let them break something basically and, and get back to basics. And I, I think that's something that has to happen because the problem is this technology is so expensive and it is so fast changing. It's very difficult for schools and probably even universities to keep up with it, to be at the cutting edge of teaching you yeah absolutely let's talk about you a little bit more now so so you you went from publishing into uh marketing and business development did that feel like a natural transition for you well yeah it did for me personally because i'm as you can tell i'm quite a loud mouth so <laughs> being front end and being in front of people has never really uh really bothered me i mean i started out like i said my you know teams working from a dad and they just happened to be that that was a sector that he was in and I like to think that I'm a creative person and so I grew up with it and you know there's something about knowing I have a passion for forms for instance um, <laughs> but uh, but then going into the whole wider media thing is, is kind of mirrored the growth of the changes of the sector mm -hmm. itself um, and I was very flattered and very honored to then go to an FE college which was kind of my introduction into the other side, you know, teaching young people, but also learning about further education. And if you haven't guessed, I'm American, so your system is very different to mine. Um, I haven't so, guessed. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm from Midwest America. 
uh, yeah, so I had to, I had an awful lot to learn. Plus, I had young my three sons that were going through things. I, I, I'm still flummoxed by A-levels to this day. I, I understand it, but I still don't understand it. Um, so it was really interesting, and I got quite passionate. But I got really – part of my role wasn't just teaching. It was um, mentoring the students. You know, we had a group. They were my personal tutors and taking them through that journey, which doesn't happen anymore. And that's, that's wider. That's not just talking to them about your A-levels and what options you're going to take or if you're going to go do, you know, BTEC or whatever. It's not just, it's all the, the whole sex, drugs and rock and roll thing. It's all about saying it's okay and coping for exams. And when that all went away and to see these kids who actually became, I, mean, you know, I can't say you're too attached, but I did care about, suddenly um, fall into this vast void of no support uh, is kind of what propelled me into going into making some noise about the skills thing. And it was great to have that marketing that experience that yeah. set up my first business you know my, my understanding of, of how a magazine how print production how digital production works because of that side of my experience and then actually you know I had done lots of writing um, both independently commercially press PR marketing so I you know understood all that as well so it was a natural natural kind of step yeah well, I like that what feels natural to you is something you recognize uh, most young people don't have, that self-confidence and self-belief that we often take for granted yes. or, or that we, we assume are the traits of successful people. How do you go about mentoring introverted young people who may actually find it difficult to talk to us grown-ups in order to sell themselves and get on the career ladder? Well, I think having you know, 20-year-old sons myself makes a difference and, and growing up with them and knowing their friends and having been a lecturer. But more importantly, it's exactly what you said about the word of confidence. And it is about getting them to understand that they do have skills, that the stuff that they're doing in school is learning. But it's also things like, oh, when young people say to me, oh, well, I've only ever worked at Waitrose or I've only worked at Tesco's. I don't I haven't done anything. I've got nothing to put my CV. And you get them talking. And if you find what their sweet spot is, you know, I often feel that nine times out of 10, and maybe it is my sales and marketing background, but you can always flip things that seem like nothing. You know, I, I, I say to them, you know, you turn up on time, you, you, you're polite, you, you, you get a product through the cashier, you have to deal with the numbers, you have to cash out, all those things. And working with employers, especially now that I do, I can't tell you how many times they say to me, give me a young person who cares about what we do, who has good employability skills, and that is those things about dressing appropriately for the job, turning up on time, eager to learn, will teach them what they need to know. And I think once young people understand that, they they can see that they actually do have something to offer. And I also think that, you know, this whole big push of being a doctor, lawyer, teacher, or high earning, uh, and, and very simplistic view of the world of careers. And when you try to explain to young people that actually there's, there is just, a mind-boggling amount of options out there you will fit somewhere yes you just yes. have to take the time and find out what that is yeah and, and it, it's it's a sad reflection on the perception of the supermarket job as well isn't it as if it's some very low uh, non-aspirational thing to do in life is to actually end up working at a supermarket and yet you've just described it perfectly that it's about the skills you have and the dedication you put into that role to be the the best person you can be at that supermarket and you can apply that to so many different walks of life absolutely and do you know what a lot of them have got fantastic employment management apprenticeship schemes too you know i mean it's not like there's not a you know a huge opportunity if that's what your thing is but also you know 
if a young person is absolutely completely mad about, um, I'll take an example, one of my students was completely crazy about photography, just really just soaked it up and wanted to learn everything, not just technically, but the, the artists and the history and so on. And he just said, oh, well, like, that's a hobby. And of course, you can't make money at photography. And I said, well, it is challenging. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Those kind of skills are, you're met with a generation of people who said, I'll just take a picture with my iPhone. It'll be fine. I said, but there is always sectors where there is a call for, like, uh, for instance, wedding photography. People, if you become one of the best, you will get paid a lot. Uh, so what he started to do was um, he, we had a chat about how he could try to see how he could monetize it. I said, well, why don't there's some you know we're in the midlands and there's country fairs i said why don't you set up a stand uh bring your backdrop and a table and a load of frames from ikea and a little printer and get pictures of people with their pets at this uh animal thing hmm. or their prize-winning pig or whatever and he thought i was crazy but he went there one weekend he made three thousand pounds <laughs> just by selling um ready framed pictures for people to take away of them getting their award for their you know, pet dog or whatever. Yeah. Um, but now he's a videographer and was teaching me some things about a new thing I'd never heard of cinematography. I can't even think of what it's called now, but, um, but you can, you know, don't. He, he needed that leap. He needed to take that leap and, and, and you showed him that something was possible. Yeah. Can, uh, there are a couple of uh, big subjects I'd, I'd like to, to talk about before we wrap up and the time the clock's going very very quickly but one of them yeah. is, one of them is mental health and I know it's something you've written about uh, can you tell me more about what you view as the ugly side of social media's effects on the mental well-being of young people and, and how we tackle those issues oh I've got many many issues even though I I do use social media myself quite a lot um but I'm very cynical about it. I'm not cynical. I just know how to compartmentalize it. What worries me about young people, especially with them getting it you know, on their hands on it at such a young age, is that it is kind of an untapped, unprotected world they're being thrown into, um, whether that's uh, uh, very subtle bullying that happens to um, and my biggest pet peeve is all these image-changing, selfie-taking world. That I, I, it terrifies me what that's going to be like for young people in the future. How that's going to work with relationships when they get older. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be beautiful forever. And you know, how do they meet each other? The whole Tinder dating thing, where people, you know, a relationship's going to become disposable because everybody's going to have such high expectations of either visually what they feel they look like or the other person feels like they look like or ditch it and there's a giant sea out there that I can meet someone else. Yeah. I've born forever. There's lot, lots of them. And again, it kind of comes back to the basics of everything that I try to do. And, and I certainly did when I was a media lecturer was, you know, you just got to educate young people. When Facebook, Facebook first started, when I was at the college, they were actually trying to put a ban on it because there was a horrible spate of bullying going on uh, online cyber bullying and they were trying to tell us media department that we were just gonna have to shut down Facebook and I said well one they're just gonna leave campus and do it and I said two surely it's our responsibility as a media department to to, to talk to young people you know teach them <laughs> what does cyber bullying mean how do you control it that you stick a picture up and it doesn't matter where you stick it it's going to be out there forever 
you know, you can't burn it. Yeah, it, it's your reaction to it rather, rather than anything, isn't it? Because it's not just about cyberbullying, though. It, it's, it's about the pressure young people place on themselves. Absolutely. Uh, in aspiring to be different versions of themselves rather than better versions of themselves. Yeah, and and it's, it's yes, absolutely. And it's always about absolute unrealistic expectations, you know, that all young people see, whether it's themselves and their looks or what they want out of life or how they appear, but they see... They see the the summit, but what they fail to, to notice is is the kind of mountain to get to the summit. <laughs> All right, so next next big subject. Sorry, we're rushing through these. So, what are your thoughts about the importance of leadership, and in particular, soft skills such as behaviour, empathy, and so on, which, which kind of follows what we were just talking about? Yeah, well, I think we you know kind of touched on a lot of that leadership skills. Um, I think, you know, the obvious one is people think that you run a group, but you don't always have to be the one like me that's a big mouth at the front. <laughs> I, I mean, there's lots of people who work for me that are leaders in what they do, and I couldn't do what they do. But I think leadership is very much tied with when we were talking about having confidence, for sure. But it is soft skills that matter so much. And and coming back again, wrapped in a lot of what we're talking about, is um, getting those face-to-face skills to to talk to your parents to go and see your friends and have everybody put their phone down. If you're at the pub, you know, it's about, um, being able to, uh, make a phone call. I mean, it's really quite shocking how some of the people I work with are terrified of the telephone and everything's by email, you know? And, and I think those kind of soft skills takes practice, but the more you do it like anything, the more confident you will come and, and the benefits will spread quite wide. Now, you, you're constantly asked to dish out advice to young people, but I wonder if you would leave us, please, with a nugget of wisdom that perhaps we don't hear often enough. I would say definitely go out and talk to people and to be brave. A lot of, And I'm talking here about employment, um, when you're looking about a sector or somewhere you think that you're going to go. Young people don't realise what power they have. Lots of people our age would love to talk to them, you know, and share their experience and share their story. And if there's a sector or there's a business that you're interested in, write a letter to the CEO, turn up to their events, you know. Um, If you want to be an engineer, join the the Royal College of Engineering and they have networking events with student rates and you can go and hear an amazing speaker. But also there's older people in the room would be so impressed, you know. They would absolutely love to talk to you. It not only sets you up for your future, but it, it, and builds your network. But, you know, you might actually get a job out of it too. Yeah, that sounds like great advice for, for someone of any age. Yeah, it's true. So how do we contact you, Sharon? Uh, the best way to get a hold of us, uh, for me and as well, is if you go to careermapwebsite.co.uk, uh, there's a contact us page. You can email us at info at careermap.co.uk. And I personally am very active on Twitter at Sharon Walpole. Um, and uh, it's my preferred way of chattering and shouting about all the subjects we were just discussing, and I love getting engaged, so get in touch. That was Sharon Walpole. Check out CareerMap at careermap.co.uk, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on iTunes. It means a lot to the success of the show if you rate it, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take a look at my own website at seanwester.co.uk for more information about me. In the meantime, please stay tuned. There's much more to come.